I guess the, the first question I'm going to ask you, and maybe you're not asked about this too often, but since we're a hip hop platform, what are your thoughts kind of on, on hip hop as an art form? And then even further than that, do you have thoughts on Christian rap in particular? Well, Jeremy, let me tell you a true story. In the 1990s, I am a songwriter, songwriter, singer, songwriter, Christian entertainer, among other things, you know. And so I was, a song, a rap came into my mind and I named it Rain Rap. I could not rap. So it was prophesied over me, you're going to rap. And I'm like, rap is of the devil. I'm not going to rap. Absolutely not. So the song stayed with me. Then I got the bridge towards the turn of the century. Then I finally went into the studio. So let me wrap just a little bit of that to you to answer your question. So, and I had to take rap lessons because I couldn't bounce to a beat. I couldn't do it. I just was terrible. So this is what we came up with. It's silly this old bird rapping this song. I know they'll be laughing, saying I'm wrong. I'm not afraid of looking a fool. They're not gonna get this just going to school. Can't somebody help them, make them understand there's more to life than booty. They need the master's plan. <laughs> so that's ancient now. It's a little archaic, but it's in a, it's a Alveda King ladder ring, YouTube, you could see it. So we had singers and all of that. So. Any creative artistic expression that glorifies God has a genuine purpose and a genuine audience. And God had to teach me that I'm 71 years old. So I maybe don't listen to a lot of hip hop and I don't listen to as much of it, but I actually like it to answer your question. And it definitely has a place in the kingdom of God and it is a now message. Hey, that's awesome. So everyone got to hear you sing at the at the award show. And now yes. my audience got to hear you rap. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what's left. You're gonna play the guitar somewhere or the, or the I can't piano. Play the, guitar. the piano, I, maybe. Not really, except to just get the chords. <laughs> hey, that's great. But, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll take yeah. it. So I, I've heard many, it's interesting you said I've heard many stories like that about uh first it was rock and roll is the devil, right? And then the new art form came out and then hip hop is the devil. I'm not sure what the devil is now in music, but what what kind of made that um, change or that flip that you were like, oh, you know, hip hop isn't the devil. This is OK. After God gave me that Latter Rain song, uh, the Rain Rap, which became that, I understood that there are different mediums that can de deliver that exact same message. So I began to just even look at the art form. Also with tattoos, because a lot of my Christian friends have tattoos. And I would say the Bible really does say don't disfigure or mark up your skin, your face. And then he went, one of my real good friends, Brian Kemper, over Stand True, he says, but it says write the message on your forehead, write it on your hands. And he said, so I said, what can I say? That really is in the Bible as well. So I just... When people have a different delivery method than I do, I don't challenge it as much or question it, it as much. As long as the sanctification of it is there, people love Jesus and talk about Jesus as far as that being a Christian style. And so that it will, really will vary. But I like all music except asset rock. 
And you know, because somebody told me this, and the not, and people have experimented, like that hard rock where you bite the head off of bats and do all that crazy stuff. So they said, and, and it made sense. So if you are playing some of that hard, hard music on those vibing frequencies uh, that are discordant, you can drop a raw egg on the concrete of the stage and it will fry the egg. So my thing is, if it will fry the egg, it will probably fry my brain. So I don't want to do that. So, uh, but any other expressions are like Christian, uh, Catholic, R&B, pop, it, all of it. As the, and even if it's not Christian music, music that's not Christian, but inspirational, that lifts your soul and your spirit. I love that. I really do. But some some hip hop is really life building, life affirming. Uh, yeah. You know, like I'm a member of a group that's called Optimist International. Give you a glass with water midway. Is it half full or half empty? Right. And now, I, from a kid, I've always seen it half full. Something else can go. So as long as what hip hop is doing is affirming and not killing, harming, destroying, then it's not. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. My daddy, A.D. King, loved music. My uncle Martin Luther King, my granddaddy, my mom used to be a concert singer and they like church music. Daddy liked classical music a lot. He just loved that, too. Right. It, it's funny that there there's kind of like a Christian version for everything, even in music. So you have something kind of what you're talking about, maybe death metal or or black metal, they call it. But there's a Christian version and they call it light metal. So it's like the darkness and the light. We do the same thing, but it's, you know, it's about Jesus. It's funny how it works that yeah. way. Um, all right. So your your grandfather, your uncle, your father, along with countless others, um, fought to bring equality to America. Obviously, we, we still have our issues. There's still a lot of things going on every day. What would you say is still kind of the number one issue that has remained unchanged since you know the 60s the 50s and all of that we know that life is sacred from the womb to the tomb so in the 60s of course abortion was illegal was still illegal pretty much in america in 73 with roe v wade abortion became legal so the sanctity of life from the womb to the tomb human dignity from the womb to the tomb so that's the babies the born babies the children the adolescents the adults the senior citizens rich poor we are human. Human dignity is important. So when I say human dignity, I want us to consider, like there's a big debate going on now about critical race theory. And so some of us, some would like, we're not going to teach critical race theory. So I say, wait a minute, let's teach critical race theory, but let's teach what it is. Critical race theory comes from people like Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood, Charles Darwin, uh, who just says that there's superior people on the planet and Adolf Hitler. So we know what Hitler and Margaret Sanger did. We know how Darwin acted, saying that there's one race of humans that's better than another race. So there's only one blood. Science says that. It, the Bible says it first. So one blood and God made everybody. And then science adds up like that. And with DNA, people are finding now that our ethnicities are just crossed and blended all over the place. So let's teach that. Critical race theory is racist because it says that one race of people is better than another race of people when there is only one race of human beings. 
So there is a critical race, the human race. So the abortion issue, the uh, human race issue, not skin color because that's ethnicity. And then all the fighting over human sexuality, for example. And I said, we really, we're not supposed to be fighting each other. We really are not. And the only thing that I'm saying is let's take care of the children. Let's take care of the children in the womb. Let's take care of the children when they're born. Let's take care of the children and get them through puberty to young adulthood before we get all into this sexuality thing. Because like, you know, little children, the way they think sometimes, okay, your fingernail breaks off, you clip it, it might hurt a little bit or grow back, right? But if a kid 10 years old says, I want to be a boy, I want to be a girl, and they don't have the biology that fits that, so they say, well, let me just cut everything off. A 10-year-old kid can't understand that it won't grow back. So it's too early to introduce all this sexuality stuff. And so that's my only problem there. And then, you know, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking. So we need, my uncle said, we should learn together, live together as brothers, I added sisters, or perish together as fools. So with compassion, creativity, understanding, listening to each other, coming up with things that protect our weakest, which to me today is still our youngest, whether it's babies in the womb or the little babies who are born. And so those that, that should be a priority. That's a priority for me after proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you a follow-up on what you said about critical race theory. I, I feel like many people would argue that it teaches, you know, diversity and, and celebrating, you know, the differences. So, so what would be, I guess, your pushback to that? Like, how could we actually do that without it? And how does critical race theory kind of push against that? You cannot take the platform of survival of the fittest, critical race, uh, critical species, all that that Charles Darwin came up with, the singer Hitler, you can't say, oh, well, let's start teaching that. And then we're going to have diversity and all that. So telling people that they're different because of skin color or financial pocketbooks or, you know, anything else you want to divide over is not going to cause people to unify. So that's why I'm saying that if, if you teach there's a critical race, it's the human race. And the human race can learn to live together as brothers and sisters. That's fine, but that is not what CRT is doing right now. And so it cloaks, it hides the basis and the foundation of it and tries to make something good on top of it with the foundation being muddy. I got you. Um, yeah. So one, one of the things that I always, you hear it almost every election cycle, uh, you know, you have you have the Democrat side who is for abortion. You have the Republican side who is against it. And they always say, hey, we're going we're gonna to work to ban it. We're going to ban it. But it's never banned. Um, so, you know, what would need to happen for abortion to actually go away? And once that happens, you know, undoubtedly, you're going to have a lot of people putting themselves in risky or illegal situations to have it anyway, which is what happens when you ban anything, right? So... I don't really know what the question is, but I know that there's an answer. Maybe there's an answer here somewhere that you've thought about. 
know that legal abortion did not solve the problem of abortion. It just made people have many more abortions, whereas you had less than 100,000 in a year in America when abortion was illegal, and then when abortion became legal, you have to the tune of almost 70 million legal abortions in America now since 1973. So if abortion is not legal, with no penalty to the mother, of course, if she still goes ahead and illegally has the abortion and stuff, you don't want her thrown in jail or anything like that. I, I had an illegal abortion and a legal abortion and a miscarriage because the abortions damaged my body. So I'm speaking from a personal perspective as well. So we know that when there are regulations and abortion is not easily accessible and not legal, you won't end up with millions and millions and millions of dead people. Now you want to give options for the people who still are going to get abortions, whether it's legal or not, and make abortion unthinkable. So that when people need are faced with the question of whether or not to birth a child, because I, you know, I hate to say it to mothers, then they get get mad with me sometimes. As soon as you conceive a baby, you're a mother. Birthing the baby does not make you a mother. You're a mother the minute the baby's in your womb. Dad, you are a dad the minute that child is conceived. So we're already parents, what we do with that, and we can do a much better job of helping. So legal abortion was never rare. It was never safe. It's just legal, you know? So there's gotta be better ways to serve people other than killing them. Right, yeah, and I appreciate what you, you said about, you know, once that baby's conceived. I remember when I found out about my, my first, uh, when my daughter, we saw the stick and we're like, I'm a dad. And like, yes. I knew instantly there, there was, right away there, there was love. There was love there. Wow. It's, you know, maybe the, you know, the size of, I, w- I used to call her Poppy because they said it was the size of a poppy seed. So that yeah. was, that was Poppy for like, you know, a couple of months and then grows into the mango or whatever, whatever other fruit. They, they yeah, my daughter, to. who was, uh, she had to decide, and she did keep her baby, she didn't abort her, but we went with to see the ultrasound and she saw the baby popping across and she says, look like a crumb. I said, that's the most beautiful crumb I've ever seen in my life. I just went off of, about the beauty of this crumb. And so the technician is like, who are you people? You know? The crumb is going to so, turn into a into a, a slice of bread and then a loaf of bread and then it's going to come that. out of the oven I, I, eventually. The baby, a bun in the oven. That's right. what we call it sometimes. So yeah. Right. See, so bread is a perfect analogy for a growing baby when it's when it's yeah. ready to come out the oven. It's ready it's to go. pop out of that oven. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So back to the the award show. You received the Unity Award at the We Love Christian Music Awards. Um, Donald Trump introduced you out for the award. Uh, via video. Yeah. It was not something I was expecting at all uh, to see when I got there because it definitely wasn't on our schedule to last minute. You even sang a little bit, like I said. I so uh, what was that whole experience like? And, and uh, well, let's start with that. What was that whole experience like? Well, it's so funny because when I heard that he was going to do it, I was speechless for a little while and I'm a public speaker. So that's hard for me. So I just, I just, couldn't fathom it or get it together. And then uh, when he actually, when I saw it, I had tears because he was just being so genuine. That's the way our relationship is. We're friends. We actually are friends. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then for it to be with a music uh, company that was giving the Unity Award, 
with me being a singer songwriter, I'm not so much quote unquote in the industry because I don't do it for full time, but I do write songs and I produce. I've got uh, right now, I think it's on Spotify and everywhere, uh, Your Way, Yahweh, Alveda King, and I'm singing with Kathy Lee Gifford. Oh, wow. And then my son has a song that we just produced, Paths, P-A-T-H-S, Paths of Righteousness, Alveda King, Paths of Righteousness. So occasionally I'll do some music or co-produce with somebody. So to be in the music world with my understanding that music really can unify people. My mom said we can't all talk together, but we can all sing together. We can all, you begin to play and the body will rhythmically respond. You may do a little dance, a little sway. And if the words are healing words, don't have to even be church songs, just healing words. Those frequencies will just make a difference in the atmosphere. The Unity Award. I did see um, some pushback on social media because people don't necessarily equate Donald Trump with unity. So for you, uh, why has the word unity become, well, what do you think uh, of unity becoming such a divisive word? The evil genies, uh, the evil forces of existence know that when we unify, we get victory. And there's unity, there's victory and civility. There's unity there when we can harmoniously begin to just talk. Maybe not agree, but just talk. And I go beyond, let's just agree to disagree. No, let's agree to try to understand where we're both coming from. And as we do that, you know, God's not a Democrat, God's not a Republican, God's not an independent, you know. So God, some things are just right and righteous because they are, regardless of political party. So we can come together and we can do that. Right. And good things can happen or, or God can work through maybe uh, a package or a message that somebody doesn't necessarily agree with. It doesn't mean something good can't come out of it regardless. Um, so okay. we obviously we just came out of out of Black History Month. Um, so aside from the figures that are frequently spoken about, I would love to know maybe some African-American innovators or people that everyone should do more research on? The domestic folks who were the, first the slaves and then the help, quote unquote, many of the inventions that they invented, people should just look up some of the good household things that we have, they, they came actually from African-Americans. And then like Edison supposedly had a black, if, if it wasn't apprentice, but somebody who worked with Edison, and uh, just different things that doctors did. And there, there were African-Americans that were helping build America all along the way. Uh, the black slaves helped build the White House, you see. So there are so many stories and testimonies and testaments. And uh, over at America First Policy Institute, where I was, where I am the chairman of the Center for the American Dream, for the month of February, we had a different person highlighted every day. And these were known and unknown. So I think it's very important. But that's, you know, Black history is only important because uh, we're playing catch up in the Black community. Many people just don't know how many great things have come out of our community. So we feel sometimes more like victims and victorious. But, uh, you know, this is March. Uh, what is it? St. Patty's Day. And there's a lot, of, it's not an official holiday, but people are ex excited. And I'm part African, part Irish, and part Native American. 
So out on our door and right now, it says, kiss me, I'm Irish. And people say, no, you're not, you're black. I say, but my granddaddy's granddaddy, Nathan Brandon King, came from County Cork. So, yeah. So, you you're know. having your corned beef. You're having your corned beef and cabbage, too, huh? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I put yeah. a big cabbage on my Instagram a couple of days ago out of my neighbor's garden. Just huge head mm-hmm. of cabbage. Yeah. You're all ready to go. You got to represent. Yeah. But um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. Um, it's been an honor and a, and a pleasure to speak with you. All right. So thank you so much. And God bless. God bless Keep you. Keep doing that music. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going. You too. Okay. All right. I will.